Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. So here are the buns. One of three (laughs) items. Such a simple meal. That's author Miriam Taves about to lay out a Sunday night spread called FASPA. Some Sunday night dinners are all about the food, the perfect ragu, slow simmered chili, but for many, Sunday night dinner is as much about the people as it is about what's being served, and sometimes it's about honoring a tradition despite yourself. It might even be a meal you feel a sort of nostalgia for. Miriam grew up in a Mennonite community. Side note, Mennonites are Christians who trace their beginnings to the Protestant Reformation, and in the 1870s, a large group of Dutch North German Mennonites came via Russia to southern Manitoba. And in Mennonite tradition, the big meal on Sunday is served right after church in the middle of the day. Faspa is served in the evening. The word Faspa is tied to Vesper, which means evening, and it's a simple meal, which consists of leftovers from the lunch meal and probably some jello salad and some cake. I had the great pleasure of sharing Faspa with Miriam, the fabulously talented author of six novels, among them her breakout book, A Complicated Kindness, whose central character, Nomi, is a wonderfully confused, spirited 16-year-old girl living in a Mennonite community outside of Winnipeg. Irma Voth, one of my favorites, also features a teenage girl in a strict Mennonite family, this time in northern Mexico, The Flying Troutmans, and her most recent All My Puny Sorrows, a heartbreaking, hilarious political novel which draws heavily on the experience of her sister Marjorie's suicide in 2010. Her books are filled with humor, and in an interview in The Guardian, she said of All My Puny Sorrows, I wanted people to not be afraid of the subject matter, to get the tone right, right off the top, and get the reader's trust so we could come out together in some other, less dark place. When asked whether All My Puny Sorrows is a sustained argument in favor of assisted dying, Miriam said it absolutely is. I was totally thrilled that Miriam's mother, Elvira, an incredible life force of a woman, was also home when we set out to recreate FASPA. I brought buns and meat and cheese and pickles and honey and also... Jello! My goodness! (laughs) You're going to become nostalgic yet. Before we tucked into the FASPA spread, I asked Miriam and Elvira about Sundays and about food and about tradition. Here's Miriam. Okay, um, I grew up in a town called Steinbach, Manitoba, about 40 miles southeast of Winnipeg. Um, and uh, it's a small town when I was growing up, there were about 5,000 people living there. Okay, all right. A small Mennonite town. Okay. And what did Sunday night dinner mean to you then as a kid? What was your Sunday like? Well, the, whole, the, the whole day was a very, very, on the one hand, very structured day in, in one way, and, uh, and then on the other hand, a very loose day because Sunday began, of course, with Sunday school and church. And, um, but before Sunday school and church, my mother would 
prepare a roast, a beef roast with um, potatoes and carrots and onions and put that in the oven. Um, and then we would all go to church. And then we, when we came home, the meal would be ready and we would all sit down to this big, big meal and have uh, Sunday, well, we called it dinner, it was lunch, but it was, you know, Sunday lunch, dinner. And, um, and, then, and then the rest of the day was a kind of drifting into this sort of somnambulant, is that the word? Mm -hmm. um, kind of lethargy, kind of, you know, feeling of fullness and sleepiness. And my parents would go to their bedroom and take a nap, which they called a medokshlope, which is like, um, directly translated means a middle sleep. So an afternoon nap, basically a sleep in the middle of the day. And then I would, and my sister and I would just do whatever we felt like doing, you know, playing with our friends or roaming around or, or reading or, you know, whatever it was. And then um, it was very quiet. The town, the whole town was completely silent, it seemed to me, because everything, because it was such a religious community. So Sunday was, you know, obviously a holy, sacred day where nobody worked and, and you know, everybody just kind of stayed at home and ate and slept. And except for all the women who were busy, you know, cooking and cleaning. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, and then we'd have FOSPA, you know, my parents would wake up and uh, and we would have FOSPA at around five, a kind of early dinner FOSPA, which consisted only, it was a very simple meal, only of buns, which my mother had baked, um, you know, on, on Saturday, and uh, buns and cheese, New Bothwell cheddar cheese, and slices of roast beef or ham, um, you know, leftover from the roast. And... Um, and that was about it. And coffee. And then sometimes we would have, yeah, cake. Cake or cookies for, for dessert. And that was it. And would you eat that at the, the table? I mean, was Yeah, that so, we okay. would eat it at the table. Yeah, okay. at, the, at the dining room. We would always eat it at the dining room table. Um, it seemed not at the kitchen table, whereas the other meals we would eat at the kitchen table. But we would always have FOSPA, even though it was such a simple meal at the dining room table. I may be wrong about that. Why? Let's ask your mom. <laughs> Why? Well, I don't recall that we would actually have it in the dining room table if we didn't have company. But Sunday mm -hmm. evening often also was a day for some company. And then, of course, we would eat in the dining room. Okay. So uh, it, it would kind of sometimes at the kitchen, sometimes at the dining room table. <laughs> Did you like Sundays? No. I didn't like Sundays for a whole bunch of reasons. I didn't like going to... Well, when I was a little kid, um, it was fine because Sunday school was fine. It was fun. I, you know, Sunday school was fun when I was a little kid because, you, you know, I was with my friends and, um, you know, our, our lessons were made fun by our Sunday school teachers. Church was like stultifying, you know, sort of excruciatingly dull for me, and I would have to, and not only that, but I was a real tomboy, so, um, you know, every Sunday I had to put on leotards and a dress, and this was all very itchy, and shoes, you know, shoes, not running shoes, but, you know, little, little shoes, 
whatever you call them, dress shoes <laughs> with straps and things. And patent so shoes. patent leather shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so I found that all, you know, really excruciating. And, and, um, and then, and then the rest of the day, it was just sort of this endless drift, like I said, which was, was kind of, you know, left me feeling a little kind of sad, like melancholy or, you know, that the whole town had kind of died a little bit. And, you know, where was the life and where, where were the people, you know? And then, and then because my parents had this long nap in the afternoon so that I couldn't even play with my, my parents, you know, as a kid, as a little kid. But then, <laughs> and then you know, everything started coming back to life when FOSPA was served and Walt Disney came on and et cetera, et cetera. But when I became a teenager, you know, then obviously I could leave the house. I could, I mean, I could, I mean, even as a kid, I could go roam around the town and play and do whatever I wanted to do. But, you know, then we had other activities, like mm-hmm. we could hang out and, you know, so it was a kind of combination, a kind of a melancholy, too quiet day, but also a free day. You know, too. Mm. And did the food give you comfort at all was oh there, yeah definitely like the... oh yeah definitely yeah no I always look forward to it was when you come in from church and you've just endured you know an hour of sitting there <laughs> being you know preached at and getting through and and um and then you come home you know home which you know for me it was a happy home a happy home a happy childhood and and the smells of the roast beef and the potatoes and the you know there was often an apple pie that my mom had baked and um, so that was a really great moment just like this waft of of it was just after it was after that big lunch where it was kind of like oh okay now now how to fill the hours I asked Miriam if food is something that still brings her comfort. Definitely food brings me comfort. Um, and particularly the food that, you know, that my mom used to make mm. when I was a kid, which she doesn't do a lot of anymore. Um, and so, you know, but she's teaching my kids, for instance, I'm not a good cook, um, but she's teaching, you know, my kids, my daughter, how to make the veranache, which are pierogies, but Mennonite, Mennonite pierogies, veranache with cottage cheese inside. So she's taught, um, she's teaching a lot of things to my daughter who likes to cook and bake. And, um, and so that's, that's good, you know, so, so my daughter will <clears throat> carry on with those. Yeah. And, and it does provide a lot of comfort. It's sometimes I just crave, you know, farmer sausage and veranaja. And when we go to these Mennonite communities, sometimes around here, Leamington and, and or Steinbach, our hometown, we always go to the Mennonite restaurants, like always, to get the traditional Mennonite meal of veranaja and farmer sausage. And what else? Chilcha. And yeah. Yeah. Right. What's that? What's chilcha? Noodles, but they're always homemade. They're made fresh, always. And then you make a cream gravy with that. Do you remember Sundays the way that Miriam does? Actually, it is amazing how similar it still is. Definitely, yeah. yeah because she could have described, she could have been describing how I grew up with Sundays. Also, absolutely. What did you amazing. do during that long afternoon? I would, I would read. I mean, like from when I was little, I would, I, which I'm sure you did also. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't quite as active as you were, so you would have needed people and, mm-hmm. you know, neighbor kids to play with. Mm-hmm. I would sometimes go to a friend's place and we would play with paper dolls and mm. so on. 
For both Miriam and Elvira, that long afternoon ended with FOSPA. While I recorded, Miriam prepared the meal, and Elvira set the table. She set places for Miriam's partner and his friend, who were renovating upstairs. Okay. So the interesting thing is that, yeah, it would have always have been my mother went making FOSPA. So here are the buns. Roast beef. a little bit. Okay, roast beef left over from lunch and some slices of cheese. I'll put them on the same plate. And then we're going to call the men to come and eat. In the great tradition of Mennonite patriarchy, we'll make sure that the men get enough to eat and then whatever is left, we'll have our own lunch. <laughs> that, oh yes, oh that's right. And if you had a lot of company, the men always ate first. <laughs> And then the women, you know, with their wives, and but the children always have to sit at the second setting. Yes. Sometimes we would eat the children. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. After getting most of the ingredients together, we sat down, and Miriam remembered that we would have we would have butter and honey on the buns, and then have the meat and the cheese separately. We wouldn't make sandwiches with the meat and the cheese. Yeah. But there, there were many, in fact, most of the Mennonite families did not allow their children to put, spread two things on the buns. So, <laughs> That's right. Do we? One? Yeah, they would have either butter or honey, not both. Oh. But we were kind of spoiled. Rebellious. Yes. We put butter exactly. and honey on our buns. We knew what we liked. Regardless of the tradition. Mm -hmm. Miriam has written a lot about the constraints of life in a religious community, and she herself left Steinbach the day after high school ended. But something that kept coming up was a pretty profound freedom that she experienced as well. Perhaps it was because her parents were educated, curious, and tolerant, and there certainly is a rebellious twinkle in Elvira's eye that's a beautiful thing to behold. Here's Miriam again. Always, all my life, do whatever I wanted and go wherever I wanted and, um, and do whatever I wanted. Always. That was a very um, kind of exceptional, you know, our household. Like, there were, there were no rules, um, you know, other than to obviously, you know, show up at the, at the end of the day. <laughs> for meal times. <laughs> for meal, for mealtimes. But it was, a, it was a community that, you know, was so small and everybody knew everybody else. And yeah. so... We, you know, it's such a different world now, and, and especially in cities. But yeah, as kids, we could just roam around freely at will, mm. anytime. Yeah, it was really, really a great memory mm -hmm. of that freedom. More than anything else, the jello seemed to bring Miriam right back to Steinbach and her family's kitchen. When she was growing up, it was always cherry flavor, but it was more the timing and the science of the jello salad that intrigued her. You would make the jello salad when we had company, yeah. usually when there was company coming over. Or if Marge, my sister, was home from university on the weekend. Yeah. And so, you know, you make the jello salad, you have to have the package, always cherry, the jello powder, and then you add boiling water, yeah. and then you let it sit in the fridge, but then it is certain very specific time, you have to put the sliced bananas in before it's completely 
set. solid yeah. set but well but but set enough so that they don't just fall to the bottom but so that they're suspended beautifully it was magical to me as a kid and then you would take it out and just slice them and then and they would they would just be suspended in this beautiful red gelatinous and then with a the whipped cream on top it was really did you love it i loved it so when your kids were younger mm -hmm. did you have some kind of sunday night tradition uh yes actually the only, I mean, we didn't go to church. I didn't take my kids to church, but, um, but so the only Sunday tradition that we had when my kids were little was that we would have um, you over. So especially after my dad died in 1998, and so my kids were young, and, um, and then my mom moved to Winnipeg. So she was around, and, and then we would also have um, my, my mother-in-law at, at the time, my mother-in-law then, um, over for dinner because she also was alone, mm -hmm. she, like a widow. And so they would both come over for um, Sunday dinner, and we all loved that. My kids loved that because I could see their grandmas, and we, it was all, and yeah, and so my ex-husband did the cooking. <laughs> and, yeah, and that was quite a tradition, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Sunday dinner. And, and for that tradition, he did a lot of barbecuing. And Sunday it was night barbecue. A big meal. Okay. Yeah, that yeah that's true. Meal. Yeah, even in the winter time, he would yeah. go out and barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, gave him an opportunity to smoke. As Miriam mentioned, her father, Mel, died in 1998. He committed suicide after suffering for years with manic depression or as we now know it, bipolar disorder. Miriam wrote Swing Low, A Life in an attempt to make sense of her father's death. It's a memoir told in her father's voice, and in the prologue she writes that she became obsessed with trying to understand the cause of his death. She writes, there's really only one answer, and that is depression, a clinical, profoundly inadequate word for deep despair. She also writes, Dad's life fell into the typical pattern of our small town, an ordered existence of work, church, and family, with the occasional inevitable upsets along the way. His managing to live an ordinary life was an extraordinary accomplishment. As we sat enjoying FASPA, Miriam and Elvira talked more about some of those typical patterns, the holidays that in a Christian community held great prominence. They talked about Sundays in general, and Easter and Christmas. Here's Elvira. On Christmas Eve, not when I was little, but when you were little, and you may not remember it, but I remember it because it was just so not your old Mennonite tradition, but this fellow, and he was a Mennonite, he would have speakers on his car, you do remember mm -hmm. it, and drive up and down Main Street slowly while the people were going to church for the Christmas Eve program. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. Mm -hmm. And what would he play? Christmas carols. Christmas carols. Oh, okay. yeah, all the carols we knew, like just... That know. big station wagon that he had. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't he the guy that was later busted for... Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Selling pot. Right. He was also married to my first cousin. And then Elvira told us about a tradition that she and Mel had created. What new tradition could we start? And we decided we would go and chop our own Christmas tree. Because we lived near woods. Mm -hmm. We'd drive about 15 miles and have the most beautiful woods, forests. 
we'd always chop our own tree in the cold and brought the kids along and what have you. Only after the kids were adults did they tell us that they had always hated it. Really? I wouldn't say always hated it, but just sometimes, maybe as we got to be teenagers with tiny little jackets that weren't warm enough, you know, because we'd be out there for a long time, you know, like Dad was kind of a perfectionist. Oh yeah, it took forever to find the right tree. And he would look for just the right, so it took a long time, uh-huh. and this is Manitoba in December, like we were freezing to death. 30 below, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember, ha- and, and then we would kind of get a little bit lost sometimes, and mm-hmm. we'd have to follow these tiny little, you know those tiny little rabbit droppings? Mm-hmm. Like we would, like Hansel and Gretel, we would follow <laughs> rabbit droppings all around, and you know, I was just wearing this like, little like white stag ski jacket or something, with, your jeans and, you know, with my tight jeans and my running shoes and no hat and then but I do remember you know when he would finally find the right tree and then start hacking away at it and I remember him yelling you know timber Mm -hmm. which was really exciting yeah and then the thing came crashing down and then we would have to somehow get it on the toboggan Mm -hmm. and like when we'd be (laughs) knee thigh deep snow trudging with this massive tree (laughs) and then it was almost always too big for the house Five o'clock on Sundays in the Taves household in Steinbeck, Manitoba, buttering their buns and then spreading honey too. In that Guardian article about all my puny sorrows, Miriam also said, yes, there were serious issues and there was tragedy, but there was a lot of love all the time. And that goes on, even though my father and sister aren't here, the love that I felt from them goes on. Sunday Night Dinner is produced by Suzanne Hancock. Music by J.J. Ibsen. Thanks so much to Miriam and Alvira Taves, two of the funniest, most generous, most positive women around. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our website, sundaynightdinnerpodcast.com to see photos, and to get a very short list of what you'll need for FOSPA. Happy Sunday night dinner, everyone.